This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Now, Thomas Drance coming up at the bottom of the hour. Um, we'll talk more about that explosive Rutherford interview from yesterday in Vancouver on 650. Kevin Woodley from NHL.com and uh, In Goal Magazine as well. As we're all starting to get the Hockey Hall of Fame on our minds these days... We'll make the case. It started with a text exchange that I had with Kevin, and we sort of said, well, why don't we just do this on the radio show? Perfect. Uh, we'll make the case why Francois Allaire should be in the Hockey Hall of Fame. Stay tuned. It is a fascinating discussion. Trust me. And then coming up at the bottom of hour two, Paul Patsko and Sean Mitten, authors of When Canada Shut Down, the 50th anniversary of the 1972 Summit Series, will be joining me here live in studio you're watching on 650 i'm holding up the book this is one of the best hockey books i've read this year now i know there's a lot of great hockey books out there about 1972 scotty morrison's uh, is excellent and right up around the top of that list as well but when canada shut down this book it's it's a collection of hard to find stories or little known stories or did you know that stories uh so it's right up my alley very much look forward to talking to paul and sean coming up in hour two uh, in the meantime, alongside Elliot Friedman from Hockey Night in Canada and 32 Thoughts on his daily walk. Hello, Friedge. Where are you? I'm actually at Scotiabank uh, Arena this morning for the morning skate between the uh, Maple Leafs and the Vegas Golden Knights. Anything stand out from skate today or anything stand out from conversations around the rink today? Well, Matt Murray uh, was out doing some work and he's going to rejoin practice tomorrow. So that's yeah. a good sign for Toronto considering that... Uh, Samsonov uh, is out, and hold on one second. I'll tell you what the timeline was this morning. I just forgot it off the top of my head. Samsonov is week to week. Mm -hmm. So the timing is fortuitous. For maybe for a couple of minutes, mm -hmm. you can stop your uh, ridiculous Toronto goaltending trade proposals. Uh, you don't like my ridiculous goaltending trade proposals for the Toronto Maple Leafs, Sully? You don't like the... Uh... I, actually, I, I do like them. I like the... Uh, <laughs> it's good entertainment. Uh, that's all I'm here for. Waka waka. Um, listen, a couple of things here. And I, and I want to get your thoughts on what we heard from Jim Rutherford uh, last night. But before that... Yeah. Um, the Mitchell Miller story. And yesterday, Eustace King, who is the agent, uh, was on with Andy Strickland on the Cam and Strick podcast. And a few things, and some things that that give us pause based on what we've believed the story to be so far. Namely, uh, that there has been a relationship between Miller and Isaiah, Isaiah being the victim who now you know, lives on his on his own. I believe he's in Detroit and he has a kid. He's 20 or, or 21 years old as well. Um, that was one of the, the, the main things that I took away from that conversation between King and Strickland. Uh, what jumped out at you about that interview last night that was released? Well, first, I want to say a, a couple of things. Number one, I, I, I'm not really interested in relitigating the past. Mm -hmm. uh, bad, bad things happened. I, everybody understands that. Everybody recognizes that. And I don't believe the past should be relitigated. Uh, and and like I, I am not at all interested in going down that road. Number two, the, the person I think about here uh, the most is uh, Isaiah, as you mentioned. Um, I, I can't imagine, you know, how taught, like when you're a public figure, you're used to all of the craziness that social media entails to a degree. Mm -hmm. He is not a public figure. And I just can't imagine all of this is easy for him. And I think about that a lot. Um, I mean, there's a couple of things here. I mean, like what, 
what has been said and reported before and what was said last night in that interview, they're incompatible with each other. And, you know, I mean, that's the tough thing about making any big declarations here, Jeff, because Mm -hmm. every time you think you have a handle on this story, it evolves or changes or another major development gets dropped. So I'm really, I I really don't want to make any uh, huge declarations, but it, I mean, aside to say that um, the, the version that has been out there and the version that Eustace King presents, they're not compatible with each other. And I think now we're going to have to get to the truth. And I think that the, the thing that, really concerns me is that um like for example like i had heard rumors that there had been contact between uh, isaiah and mitchell miller i didn't know it for sure but i heard it in multiple places and now basically we're at a spot where either someone's gonna have to call like the mother and find out okay what about this version and if she says that's not true then maybe we're going to have to have the, the, the actual text or contact put out there. And I, I don't like that for Isaiah. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really don't. And, you know, I, I think, Jeff, what, the, the more I think about this, the, like, someone made a great analogy to me last night. They said that the, the way this was handled from the moment it was announced and the, and the, and the media conference the Bruins had, it was almost like you're preparing for a big game. You've had a couple of great days of practice. You have excellent preparation. You watch the warm-up, and you believe you're ready to play. And the puck drops, and all of a sudden you're down 5 to nothing. Because whatever you thought you practiced or thought you prepared, mm-hmm. you didn't execute it. And I think if, if there was something that should have happened here, um, it should have all been brought out. Right at the beginning, right at the beginning, it should have been, there's, you know, there was contact here and this is what it was. This is the work he's done. Um, and, and this is what it was. And it should not be about, we think he deserves a second chance. It should have been all about why you have to put, you have one chance to prove why he deserves a second chance and it didn't happen. And I think that was the that was the big failure here is like you know in, in Eustace's interview last night he goes in depth about meetings of the Bruins and you know um, you know I, I know his his letter has been uh, heavily scrutinized and some of the stuff was called into question and I saw Ken Campbell uh, reported last night that the Little Miracles the person who runs that uh, organization actually backed that Miller had been uh, with them so. Like I'm sitting here and I'm saying this all this shouldn't be happening three days, four days after the announcement. This should have been one big package at the announcement saying this is what this is what everything's all about. Here's his CV. Here's his resume. Here's what he's done. Here's the contact he's had. This should have all happened three or four days ago. This shouldn't be coming out mm-hmm. now. And um, I like I said, I just. I, I think about uh, Isaiah a lot about this. Um, you know, I mean, he's not used to public scrutiny, and this and the interview last night. It's only going to extend the public scrutiny and possibly mean that you know his, these texts could come out. 
And I, I don't know. I, 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 I just wish this had been done properly from the beginning. And I think that's the, that's the really, really, that's a really, really big mistake mm-hmm. that is, that's compounded the whole situation. Uh, if you haven't, if you're listening right now or watching on Sportsnet 360 and you haven't heard the interview, um, I encourage people to do so because to Elliot's point, the facts that we have believed up until uh, this interview with Eustace King um, are now being questioned. And we have two different trains of narrative around Mitchell Miller running side by side. Um, and again, so- Jeff, I just want to say one thing. I am not interested in relitigating the past. No the one past is. past is the past. We all understood that something bad happened and more than one bad thing happened. Yeah. And that, and I'm not interested in relitigating that. I'm only interested the- in talking about what happened between then and now yeah. and what should have been. Like, the one thing I want to mention is um, I, I believe there were, there were a couple of organizations I sent notes to. I said, I, I've heard he's contacted, he's been involved with them. And some of them won't say, like one got back to me and said, you know, we understand why you're asking, but we don't release, um, you know, we don't release who's in our program. I said, and they said, we're not confirming, we're not denying, but we just mm-hmm. don't release it. And all of this stuff should have been done the day of. Well, and that's the stunning part of all this too. You know, I spoke to someone Sunday um, from, a, from, an, from another team who said, I'm, I'm, I'm just shocked that the Boston Bruins thought they could do this thinking that nobody would want to see receipts. Like, if you're going to do this and, 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 and maintain that he is, you know, worthy of, of re-entry into, into hockey at the, at the pro level, whether it's at the Boston Bruins or the Providence Bruins, people are going to want to see receipts. It can't just be, we believe him, we think he's going to do this, now meet your new defenseman. That is completely insufficient, and I don't think anyone should be surprised that the weekend played itself out uh, the way that it did. Um, before I get your thoughts on the Rutherford uh, interview from last night on 650, anything more to add on this one? I don't think this, no, is, this I, is a story that's going to go. Do you have a, actually, do you have a thought on, on how this contract situation is going to play out? You know, like, I don't. Um, I really don't. And, like, to be honest, I have to say, Jeff, it's a – it's a really secondary thing to me. Like I, I, I just, you know, I, I haven't really asked a great deal. I, I don't know what's going to happen. Like, I actually did think he was going to be on ma- waivers yesterday and he wasn't to terminate the deal. I, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen with that at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just, I, I'm just worried about the next thing to come. Cause like I said, I, yeah, I, I like, like every day we just get, and, and what he said last night, it, it demands, uh, response and for their investigation. Uh, your yeah. thoughts on what we heard from Jim Rutherford last night? I think a lot of people listening to this interview said, "You know, is this the way it's going to be in Vancouver now, where the losing continues? We know the team doesn't want to pay two coaches not to coach, so it's just going to be, you know, Jim Rutherford taking thinly veiled shots at Bruce Boudreaux in the media." That was a takeaway for, for a lot of people last night. What did you think of the interview? Well, you know what? Um, the, the first thing I, I thought of, it's like, um, you know when in the movie Office Space when they're trying to get uh, <laughs> the one guy to quit? Yeah. <laughs> that's, what, that's what it reminded me of. This is, someone sent me a note. They said, this is like the fourth time Rutherford's done that interview. <laughs> 
Yeah. And uh, I just started laughing. I said, you know, that's actually a really good point. Like, is, is he trying to make Boudreaux quit? And, uh, like, like to me, you know, it's, it's a tough thing for me because on one hand, we sit here and we say, okay, Rutherford, um, Rutherford's a good interview. And in media, we can't say people are boring and then complain when they give us good interviews. We can't do that. It's not, it's, it's, it doesn't help our jobs. But on the other hand, I can listen to it and say, oh, I'm not sure this is really fair. Like, I'm not sure that I, I would be 100% convinced that Rutherford says the same things privately than he does publicly. It just really turns up, tunes up the heat on the, on the coach. And um, look, like, I think if they're unhappy, they should probably just make a coaching change. But I believe 100% that they don't see the financial value in making a coaching change. Um, like, I, I don't know if you're going to do that just to add money to pay another coach. But, like, part of me is like, okay, uh, enough of this. Put him out of his misery because mm-hmm. he's not going to quit. But, I mean, it, it's it's unbelievable. The, the one thing I do agree with him, though, the, the one place I did agree with him is that when you're up in that game 3 nothing on Saturday, you shouldn't lose it with Thatcher, with, with Vesna Trophy candidate Thatcher Demko in that. You should not lose that game. Mm-hmm. But again, it comes down to the question we've asked this a million times. Is it a coaching issue or is it a composition issue for the, uh, for the Vancouver Canucks? And one of the things that Rutherford, you know, goes on to talk about in the interview with Dan and Sat is, you know, we may need to make some difficult decisions here. And like we heard that last year, I get that. And going into the summer, we thought that there was going to be much more of a, I guess, much more of a premium or much more of an accent placed on getting cap flexibility moving bodies out so they can actually maneuver here. Uh, instead, uh, at the beginning of the season, everybody was celebrating that they nailed the salary cap and they got it to the dollar, and congratulations. And I think a lot of people looked at that and said, I thought the idea wasn't to get to the cap. It was to get to some flexibility so you can maneuver around and actually start to get to the, to the team you want. Um, but I digress. Um, and it got me to wondering, driving in this morning here, Rutherford talked about making moves that he otherwise would not have wanted to make and moving out players that this past summer he wouldn't have even considered trading. Who do you think are sacred cows in Vancouver? And we've talked about Pedersen and Quinn and and Demko and maybe to some extent Horvat, but maybe that ship has sailed as well. Who are sacred cows in Vancouver? Well, I think he's probably talking about. I think the sacred cows are probably Hughes and Patterson. I, I think those are the two guys. I think. I think the reason you're putting Horv, you're taking Horvat out of that conversation right now is at this point in time you don't know if you're signing him. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that's there. I think Demko is probably close, but I don't know if I would say he's 100% a hundred percent a sacred cow. But I would think he's close. I just, I just believe that the two that would be uh, sacred would be Hughes and Pedersen. If anything, I think he's when when you when you read that quote to me, it sounds like he's talking about Horvat uh, because they don't know if they can extend him. Mm-hmm. I would be shocked if they traded Demko, but I, I don't believe it's like a complete impossibility. 
You know, Horvat's an interesting one. Uh, mentioned it on Saturday on Hockey Night. We've talked about it on the podcast before, this situation where it seems to be silence between the two camps. But then, listen, you've pointed this out before. You know, Miller happened suddenly. Boom, there was a contract. When We all thought that this was going to be a, uh, a trade situation. And that may still happen. You know, that may still happen between uh, the Vancouver Canucks and um, and uh, and Bo Horvat's representation here. We don't know. But uh, the one thing that, you know, someone reminded me of recently was, don't forget, Jim Rutherford doesn't like trade deadline. Jim Rutherford likes to make moves before trade deadline. So don't expect anything from, you know, the Vancouver Canucks to linger until trade deadline. You know, don't be surprised if these are all of a sudden, I don't know, December moves. Uh, that the Vancouver Canucks start to start to make if, again, the big if, if the season really does start to slip away for Vancouver here, Fridge. Yeah, I, I, I like the thing is with him, I've learned he can do anything at any time. Like, he can do anything, and that goes for both interviews and trades. <laughs> True. <laughs> like, Rutherford, you know, I, I said this when he got hired, and I kind of think there's even more uh, now. I, I I think he wanted to be a GM in Canada really badly. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a certain thing about this that he really likes. You know, when he was, I remember um, when he used to come to Toronto, when he was the GM in Carolina or Pittsburgh, he loved uh, doing all, he loved doing the media. Mm-hmm. And someone said to me because he always wanted to be the GM of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Well, that didn't happen, at least not yet. But he has become the president of Hockey Ops of the Vancouver Canucks, and, he, and he, I think he really likes everything that comes around with that. And, you know, like I said, I, I think there's a limit to how much they should be doing this with Boudreau. Um, but I'm not surprised that he is the way he is. Okay, off the Vancouver page and more on the Vancouver page at the bottom of the arrow with Thomas Trance. Um, boy, I don't know where... Besser's playing tonight, by the way. Bess... Searching my Twitter. Nice. Besso Besser is in the... I should mention the Vancouver Canucks face off against the Ottawa Senators. That one on Sportsnet Pacific starting at 7 o'clock Eastern for local time in BC. Uh, the Oilers have lost three in a row. We know all about the Flames. They've lost five in a row. What has happened in Alberta, Elliot? This used to be the... Uh, Stick it in the bank, long-term deposit, results guaranteed. Alberta, not so fast these days. The best line I heard this morning was, Jim Rutherford blames Calgary's loss on Bruce Boudreaux. (laughs) And Edmonton's loss against Washington on Bruce Boudreaux. Yeah, same thing. That's exactly what someone (laughs) said to me. Uh, You know, it was... was, There's been a couple Flames games recently... Where, like the one against Seattle, where they're up, what, 4-2 late and they lose? Yeah. And the one where they're up against 3-1 late and they, and they lose in overtime yeah. l- last night? The, 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 you know what the wildest thing about that for me is? Is that Sutter is the guy who's supposed to have the structure. Like, when you think about Sutter, you think about a team that locks games down. Yeah. They, play in the tight, they play in the tight triangles. Um mm-hmm. And, you know, that's twice in uh, less than two weeks we've really seen that happen. At least this time they got a point out of it. But i, I got to tell you, I was, I was amazed at that last night. And the Islanders aren't exactly known for their quick scoring abilities. Mm-hmm. That was, uh, that was a, that's, that's a tough, tough loss, like a, a really tough loss. 
Speaking of the Islanders, real quick, I got a note from someone yesterday saying, is Matthew Barzal going to score zero goals and have 82 assists? It really is remarkable uh, that he's getting the reverse Cy Young here. The, uh, an Islander fan last uh, sent me a note saying, you guys have to interview Barzal every year. <laughs> well, I think, Bar- first of all, I think Barzal should be interviewed more considering how dynamic a personality he has. It's, it's, it's unfortunate um, that he's with the Islanders organization in some ways because it's team first, it's individual second, etc. He's just one of the most entertaining and colorful individuals in the entire NHL for each. Right down to laughing at your choice of, no, uh, laughing at uh, how you described his shoes. That was it. Yes, uh, yes. I, I got to tell you that, that the line when I got the shoes wrong, and he like corrected me on it. Best. That was that was really really funny. You know, I have to say, like I, I've been a little bit, um, I I have been a little bit surprised at times with Manjapani this year. Mm-hmm. Just hasn't seemed to had the same effect, and I just wonder if like there's so many new players and key positions and and new roles um, that maybe some people are a little out of kilter, but that's one of the things for the Flames. Like, I'm not blaming this all on him. I think, I think some of their defensemen have, have kind of underachieved a little bit too. Um, but uh, I, I do think like the one guy I've watched early, I mean, Huberto, I think is an obvious one, mm-hmm. but I think Manjapani's looked off kilter a little bit too. Uh, speaking of the Calgary Flames, tonight they'll face off against the New Jersey Devils. Uh, this could be normally one of those games where a successful road trip, the team comes home and lays an egg in game one, but it's a back-to-back for the uh, for the Calgary Flames, and the Devils getting the bad news today. Andre Palat, groin surgery, 8-10 to 10 weeks. Mackenzie Blackwood, 3-6 to six with the MCL sprain. Your thoughts on the, uh, the Flames and the Devils tonight? We can watch this one on Sportsnet West. Uh, well, I... I... I mean, I thought it was a, a great game the other day. I really oh, yeah. enjoyed that. I really enjoyed that game. I, like, I, I really like watching the Devils. If, if they, they really find holes on you, and they're fast. Like, if, if you make a mistake, oh, yeah. it's down in your end pretty quick. I mean, it, it's going to be interesting. You know, Vanacek is, is a really interesting guy. Um, I've always kind of liked his game, and people have told me they just don't think that he's a guy who can handle starting – for a long time. Like I, I had someone tell me he's, he's a 35 game goalie. And after that, you're really risking it. Well, mm-hmm. this is going to be his opportunity to prove that wrong because he's going to, they're going to ride with him, and uh, he's got a good team in front of them. I think this is a kind of situation that's set up for a goalie to prove what they're capable of doing because he's got a good team in front of them. Uh, Oilers take on the Tampa Bay lightning this evening, seven thirty Eastern on Sportsnet, one East and Ontario. Uh, tough one last night for Edmonton against a against a Washington. Great game though. It was a great oh game. It God. was so much fun. How'd you like that Leon Draisaitl skate move? That's pretty nice to say nothing about Connor McDavid's goal. Um, and that was a, that was a good one to have on uh, on Rogers Monday Night Hockey. Uh, Edmonton's lost the only bad news was the panel. <laughs> Take the, I tried to get Da. By the way, I had Da on the show yesterday. I was trying to get him to say that Connor's going to score ninety three goals and break Gretzky's record, but even he wouldn't go that far. And he's the master of hyperbole for Canadian athletes and Canadian. I mean, even he wouldn't. Even he wouldn't go that far, Elliot. Well, you know what, Da? He used to talk to me, but now that he's got his own show. He's took me off all his chat, so wow. I don't know what's going on in his life. You what? know what? The thing I liked most about last night's game was just that 
you can see that the, the, the elite, the elite, the elite level players there, the Dreisaitl's, the McDavid's, the Ovechkin's, they, they were like, oh, yeah, you think that's good? Yeah. Well, watch what I'm about to do. Well, there was. Oh, the, yeah, you think that's good? Yeah. Now watch what I'm about to do. There was that one play uh, right off a of faceoff where Ovechkin fired it high. But it was like it, it happened like with, within a blink. It, it was incredible. And Ovechkin goes down on the one timer to shoot. And you can tell that, okay, and the puck goes out. And you can tell that, you know, as he's pulling himself out, you can, you can almost feel Ovechkin saying to himself, oh, I really wanted that one. It was so gorgeous. That one really needed, mm-hmm. that one really, really needed to go in. So in the game of uh, uh, you do that and I can do better, that was that moment where Ovechkin was like, I'm going to really try something here off the face off. And it's going to work. And, ah, damn it, it didn't work. <laughs> That's what I liked about it. It, it, was, it, was, it was like, I didn't want to just score. I wanted to be, I wanted degree of difficulty with the goal. Yeah. That's what, you know, coaches like to say. You don't get points for degree of difficulty. Ovechkin didn't care about that one. Uh, real quick before we let you go, uh, St. Louis has now lost seven games in a row. The Boston Bruins yep. stick it to them. Three to one is the final score. How much longer can it go on before Doug Armstrong does something with the Blues? He'll face off against the I, Flyers tonight. I think he's trying. I, I do. I, I, I think he's trying. Um, I, I do think he's out there. I, you, know, you know, he talked when he had his uh, big media conference last week. He talked about giving up backdoor tap-in goals. Yeah. I think he's looking at his D. And you know what someone said to me? If he's looking for some uh, something up front, mm-hmm. he wouldn't be surprised if he's looking at a guy. Now, I'm not saying this is a guy they're going for. But somebody said to me, he wouldn't be surprised if St. Louis is looking at a guy like Nick Ritchie. They do want to get tougher up front. Yeah. I don't think that would surprise anybody, uh, but we shall see. Uh, on that you go. Uh, big game tonight. The Maple Leafs and the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, the Edmonton Oilers in action uh, this evening as well. They'll face off against the Tampa Bay Lightning, the Flames, and the Devils. Uh, the Canucks and the Ottawa Senators later on Sportsnet 1. It is the Preds and the Kraken. The Red Hots, Elliot. Uh, Seattle Kraken, we should point out as well. All right, thanks, Freach. Uh, continue you your what, walk around the rink. You know what they call a, a Red Hot Kraken? Oh, no. I don't want the punchline. So I'm going to let you go on that one. Uh, thanks for each.